might be after where I start the podcast recording at. I'm crying. <laughs> don't put that big claim out there. I don't need nobody on my head. <laughs> All right, deal. I'll start it right when you said don't put that out there so people feel like they missed out on something. How about that? That'll be hella funny. <laughs> but well, I gotta say it again though. That way you can cut it out because we're talking about doing it. Okay. Don't put that out there. I don't need nobody coming from my head. <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna leave all that in there. I don't care. I think it's funnier when people like, I think it's funniest when people obviously know that they missed out on something and then they hear that we're intentionally making them miss out on something. They be like, what was y'all talking about? Well, exactly. y'all never know. I'm sorry. Sorry to you. <laughs> sorry, sorry to you. To you big dog. <laughs> hey, those who know, know. Those who don't, don't. If but, you know, um, you know. <laughs> We might have been talking about how Lynette put some uh, nasty stuff on the timeline with uh, cow boogers and whatnot. That was you, first of all. Let's start there. So as this podcast goes, Kyla responded to a tweet that turned out it happened to be um, cow boogers. I thought it was like an infection and it was like full of pus, whatever. But my friend who's like, who knows about animals was telling me that it was just boogers. But regardless, Kyla responded to the tweet. I responded to Kyla and I was like, what the hell everybody got on my head like i start because the fact is regardless if i had responded or not it would have been on everybody's timeline because of kyler because everybody that responded followed you already but it's okay it's okay because i took the heat it's fine i'll whatever all i know is it was you at the core of it <laughs> and everybody turned on me <laughs> No, nah, that's not how the algorithm works. The algorithm saw you sticking your nose in people business and was like, "You stuck your nose in the business first. <laughs> it's my, that. it's my it, friend. It, I responded. It got put on my timeline. <laughs> At your on your accord, had you had not responded, I would have never. Because literally, what I saw first was the tweet. Because you know how Twitter be now. I saw the tweet before I even saw your response. And then I realized, I was like, how the hell is this on my timeline? I scroll down, I see your response. My first thought is, what the hell wrong with you? <laughs> and I was I was trying to see what's wrong with my friend. But nevertheless, it brought us here today for this very cordial conversation between two friends. Look, look, at, the, <laughs> look at the smiles of the friends. Oh, yeah. It's, all, it's never bad blood. <laughs> Never bad blood, but um, people have already got the inside scoop before I even told them who you are. So why don't I give you the mic real quick, just so you can introduce yourself to folks, uh, let the people know who they're listening to, and well, we'll take it from there. Oh, goodness. Um, my name is Tinomi Murray, but you can call me Lynette. Well, not you, but everybody else, because they don't know me like that. But yes, Tinomi Murray. You can I go by Lynette. Um, I, what do you want to know about me, like where I'm from, all that good stuff? Yeah, let's let's get started there. Let's talk about where you're from. I mean, obviously, I know where you're from, and I know that you're a proud representative of where you're from. But give people the full story about where you're from, and uh, we'll kind of lead that into how did that shape who you have become today. It. Um, so, as Kyler has said, I am a proud, proud, proud um, person from Oakland, California. <laughs> I am a proud Bay Area. I can't say resident because I don't live there right now, but um, that is what I consider like being where I was raised. I lived in like six states and I was actually born in Atlanta, but I know nothing about Atlanta because I left when I was like two or three. Um, but Oakland is where I experienced like all of like 
most of my stability, most of like the things that cultured who I am, where I grew up and just, yeah, Oakland is what made me me. And I feel like San Diego like helped me like refine that like when I went away to school. So yeah, Oakland, California. Yeah, that I mean, you know what I'm saying? You feel me? I'm very obnoxious with it. Um, and I think I've been obnoxious with it from the jump. And honestly, I'm proudly obnoxious with it. I really, I don't really care about it. <laughs> yeah. From you know, I... me, Funk Town, little Funk Town, baby. Are, are you done? Yes. <laughs> no, I feel like that's the thing about uh, Bay Area folks that I've come to to love like it'd be a little bit of sarcastic love sometimes but y'all are very obnoxious about where y'all are from and very proud of how obnoxious that of y'all are of where y'all are from <laughs> i've just i've grown to respect it because it's like at least y'all know because i think when i first started meeting people from the bay i was like all right y'all calm down like you from oakland whatever like we, yeah we're not, we I mean, not right now. people don't seem to like realize that we really are like our own little microcosm like we listen to bay music pay attention to bay like it's just we're in our own little bubble and so when we come out we just like yeah i'm from the bay you feel me like you know this i don't know it's just yes probably obnoxious about it but the thing is i don't think we see it as being obnoxious because everybody just has like that hyphy energy like all the time and so like when we go other places i think if you're not used to it you're you're like okay <laughs> but it's just like okay Okay. <laughs> no, I honestly wish more people repped where they from a little stronger, regardless of it, how well known your place is, regardless of like what the culture is like there. Like, I love like just hearing people rep where they're from, which is why I always start the podcast asking people where they're from. And I think part of it stems from like just going to college and meeting people from so many places, because especially people that live in Southern California, I will meet people and I'd be like, oh, where are you from? And they'd be like, L.A. I was like, oh, dope. Me too. What part? And they'd be like, oh, well, I'm actually from the San Fernando Valley. I'm like, no, rep, rep where are you from? Don't try to be from the next biggest thing like rep where are you from and i know people from the bay area have a similar level of respect for people from because it's like now nah, are you from the east bay you from oakland you from hayward you from richmond yeah. or are you from like santa cruz and trying to or tap you onto from, the bay? from concord <laughs> are you from walnut creek <laughs> like is that where are you from san ramon dublin <laughs> it's okay to be from there too <laughs> I just want everybody to understand how much you just shaded those three cities. I'm, not, say I'm not even, it's not shade at all. Like it's still the, Hey, the Bart touches it. I guess that's the way. I mean, that's how we have to move around some of these cities. I, I could shade some cities, but I'm not about to do that. I'm not about to do that on this podcast. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like you're because the way you say, "Are you from Concord?" I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like there's a little something. <laughs> feel like there's a little thing. something there. No, it's definitely that's definitely the Bay Area. There's other cities that are debatable, but I don't want to start that dialogue before people come from my head, because I'm gonna stand tall. I'm I'm gonna stand strong in my opinions on it. But I have friends from said cities, so when they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm from the Bay Area," they say Bay Area to people. I'm just like. <laughs> the laugh I, I think that you're i think you're the third person i've had on this podcast from the bay area and each conversation i start getting into like the demographic or not the demographics but the borders of the bay because i feel like there's people who claim areas where they're not from and i have friends that are from let's say they're from northern california and they say they're from the bay 
And I feel like I've known enough of the beta sometimes to be questioning them, but it's not my place to question. (laughs) So I'll ask you the question too. This will be, and I guarantee it's going to be three for three. So if someone says that they are from Santa Cruz, California, are they from the Bay Area? No. Final answer? Either is San Jose. I'm sorry. Ooh. San, San, Jose. San Jose is not the Bay. They are. They have gotten or are getting Bart. I don't even know if it's been finished yet. But just because they're getting Bart doesn't like, no. They were never the Bay. And I'm sorry to the San Jose folks. Love y'all. Die for y'all. Y'all embrace Bay culture. And by default, I have to say you're the Bay now because Bart, whatever. But no. <laughs> the answer is no. Hey, I, I low-key feel that way too, but I think that I'm gonna lead a San Jose conversation to y'all that are actually from the Bay Area, but this the Santa Cruz one, I couldn't let slide because I'm like, you're in the Monterey Bay Area. Like, <laughs> like do you know how far Monterey Bay is from, okay, the answer is no. <laughs> See, we're three for three. My friend who's from Santa Cruz is gonna hate me because she swears that she's from the Bay and I'll be telling her like, nah, like I... I know people from the Bay. You, you, you're not from the Bay, and that's okay. Santa Cruz is cool. They got the little, got they're the dope. Log. They're just not the Bay Area. Yeah, it's all. It's, it's all a general good. facility. Like the Bay Area cities, you should probably be able to all reach within about an hour or so, or less, unless traffic's bad. <laughs> unless traffic's bad, but uh, let's transition out of the Bay Area and talk about. Uh, your transition to San Diego. I know that San Diego is a city that you grew to love. And you are actually, I think you're the first person I'm interviewing on this podcast who went to UCSD, but as a transfer student. So uh, why don't you talk to our audience a little bit about that transition or that uh, journey from the Bay Area to UC San Diego? Right. So I spent two and a half years at community college. Um, I went to uh, Diablo Valley College, which is in like right Pleasant Hill, Concord, Um, and I transferred to UCSD with an associates in poli-sci. When I got to UCSD, I was focusing my bachelor's on international relations with the uh, political science with a concentration in international relations, Um, picked up a couple minors, African-American studies and critical gender studies, then decided I was going to double major in communications, dropped the double major because I needed to get on out. and finished with poli-sci and my two minors. Um, So that was my transition to UCSD. Um, Honestly, I feel like my journey of school has kind of been like my way out of like um, toxic situations in life or like toxic homes and um, UCSD, like being there, being in a city where I didn't have any family, um, all of my family was in the Bay or further down in LA. Um, and I essentially was just on campus, like doing things by myself um, and figuring it out and navigating and trying to like get out of a very like controlled and sheltered and sheltered in the sense that like, the 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 parent that I I have <laughs> had um, just made it really difficult uh, living. So um, I had to I had to I had to get out in order to essentially survive. Um, 
which is funny enough because that also plays into shadow work like um like my mental health and all how all of that played in as well um so before i actually came to school i was um diagnosed with clinical depression and anxiety and all of that and i think all of that definitely played into like my academics from community college all the way throughout ucsd up until probably day of graduation if we're being honest um and uh, a lot of that just kind of was also why I chose UCSD was one, I needed to get away from the Bay Area, but I didn't um, want to leave California. Um, and I wanted to be near a beach because <laughs> I love the beach. And I wanted to go to a school that had a great like uh, political science international relations program. Funny enough, I ended up like hating my major, like after I transferred, just because of like the time period that we were in and like the political sphere that we were in. And I just got so drained that I was like, this, I don't know how much this is for me. Um, but yeah, I, I got to UCSD, didn't like it, not gonna lie. Did not like it from the jump. And like first quarter, I was like, why am I here? Shout out to my peer guidance leader at the time who, um, or my mentor, mentor who was Kiana, um, shout mm. out to her. Um, and I think if it, if it hadn't have been for her, I, I probably would have, like left something like that um but once i was able to like integrate myself into like the black community and i started getting involved and doing things like i i took off i became an intern at the brc at some point i became a transfer housing ra then in my final year i got to be the black housing ra which was so rewarding because if anybody knew me on campus if there's one thing that i loved and that i cared about it was about being black especially being a Thurgood Marshall student, being a scholar, mm -hmm. citizen, all I cared about was the niggas. Can I say that? Yes, you all can I say cared that. about was the niggas, okay? That's, that was my focus. My focus was black people. Um, and if you don't know about UCSD, UCSD is, people don't know, people don't recognize, put, put some respect on it. Like if you're looking for a school with activism, you're looking for a school for people that don't just talk the talk, walk the walk, UCSD is the place to go. You're welcome other UCs for having a BRC because if it wasn't for us, I don't really know, I don't really, oh, can't, you know, I'm trying to toot our horn a little bit, but you feel me? So yeah, it's a little bit about me and my relationship with UCSD. My relationship with UCSD definitely was like a love-hate one because there were so many things that you know we could speak on that were negative but i think with our community with the passion that each of us carried in ourselves and you know the things that we put on for ourselves whether it was flexing or whether it was overnight we did so much to create a community and make people feel welcomed and i knew that how i felt when i first got there i wanted nobody to feel like that especially black students and so I would go on tours. I would go on the college tours with like the regular ones and I would like start snatching black kids. Like, hey, I'll give you a real tour from like the black person. That's actually how I got somebody to commit. And when, on graduation day, they were like, because we graduated the same time, um, that we graduated the same time and on graduation day, they were like, you know, I committed here because of you, right? And I was like, mm -hmm. me? So um, my goal to at UCSD was to, um, not dominate, but you know, leave a leave a little mark. And I, I talk think I'll talk. You know, I think I was able to do that a little bit. I think I, I was able to touch some people. And one of my favorite accomplishments is um reactivating the Psi Kappa chapter of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. Okay, baby ace. Okay, okay. So that was really exciting. Um and like my chapter is like 
citywide. So to be the first Zeta at UCSD, I'm a part of that chapter that is in San Diego, I think was great. So I, I feel like I, I did what I had to do at UCSD. I feel like I had my fun. I feel like I had my hard days. I think we all had, had our laughs and our cries and all of that. And again, everything shaped me, my writing, my book, experiences that I've had, the people that I've encountered. And yeah, I think a lot of a lot of poetry was written late nights on that like I like to call it Titanic, you know, like that that pier. Um not 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 by scripts. Like so you know like in front of the village if you walk directly down like that road. Mm -hmm. Gliderport. Glider to get to Gliderport. There's like that little where the lifeguard sits. I can guarantee you many a poem was written there on many um, high nights (laughs) or um, sad nights or just nights where I needed to to get a break from campus or ride along Torrey Pines um, where you can like drive up and park. I think a lot of poetry was written there and um on top of like the rooftops uh, in the village and just wow wow i'm reminiscing and i feel like i miss i miss campus so much like Mm. i miss running into the niggas (laughs) i miss i miss being like not being the one in like 300 but i miss like walking out of that class feeling like drained from being the one in 300 and somehow running into somebody black or knowing that i can shoot my way to the brc and i'm guaranteed to see somebody that looks like me so yeah i feel like i just ran on a whole little rant about ucsd but i i honestly genuinely loved my experience despite negativity and things that happened along the way and i think that is the most important type of synopsis of the college experience especially a school like UC San Diego, because when I used to work in admissions and I would talk to respective Black students and they would ask about like what life was like at UCSD, like I gave them as honest of an answer that I could. It's like, yeah, like, am I going to sit here and say that the UCSD experience was this glorious, perfect, like, yes, like I'm here type of experience? Not necessarily, but were there honestly days that I look back and like, nah, these these was the best days of my life so far. Like, absolutely. I think that you touched on the community aspect. You talked about like just what a top of line school is uh, making an impact. And I think that's something that I really, part of the reasons why I even wanted to do this podcast and talk to people who went to UCSD is because, nah, we did a lot. Like when you talked about like, oh, like- So much, so much. There's so much that we do and did on campus as leaders. And I think that just giving ourselves the space to kind of pat ourselves on the back, toot our own horn a little bit is important because like, do I think we need to start a UC Civil War on this podcast and talk about like which UC is the most active? I don't, I don't know if we want, I mean, no, we can take the small- that. We don't, have to, we don't have to do none of that because we don't have to do none of that. <laughs> we don't have to do none of that. All I know is, yeah. <laughs> all I know is that, who, who got the fair good Marshall College? That's all, that's all I want to say. That's all I want to say. As you can see, I don't know if you can see my background. That's Angela Davis, um, alum, UCSD alum. I I don't know if anybody else can toot their horn like that, but. <laughs> And I think the biggest flex of all is we have all of that because I know like folks from like UC Santa Cruz want to also lay claim to Angela and whatnot, but it's like you combine that and then you just walk off of campus a little bit and then the the Pacific's right there. Right. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Like it took me nothing but 10 minutes or less to get down to the ocean. Oh my gosh, I miss it. And 
I'm gonna be back, okay? Mike, I, I will actually be there in June, so I'm really excited. But um, to live, like, San Diego's obviously, like, where I want to settle. Like, I, I feel like it, it's where I felt the most comfortable community-wise, or it's where I felt the most happy and safe and and loved um, environmentally as well. Um, I currently live in Texas, um, so very, very big culture difference. Um, and we'll leave that at that. <laughs> Y'all already know how Texas operates, but yeah. So I definitely feel like at some point I, I will be making my way back west, but I am permanently in life. I definitely think San Diego is where I want to call home. That's where like my chapter is and the grad chapter that I want to uh, be a part of like permanently. And yeah, I, I, you know, I want to raise little beach babies. You know what I'm little saying? Beach babies. Little beach babies. If that if that ever happens in my life, I'm not planning for kids for like a decade, but you know, if we get there, we get there, I'm gonna have little babies with toes in the sand because I can do that. So <laughs> that's my that's my goals. Your whole your whole maternity shoot gonna be at La Jolla Shores. Okay. <laughs> La Jolla Shores is so beautiful actually, and like I I wish people like everybody has an experience like at least visit San Diego. Like I talk to people at work, I'm like, oh, I've never been. I'm like, you should go. But like yeah. the skyline of it is really beautiful at night when all like people mm -hmm. all lights are on, and even when like light pollution, and you kind of see it's like kind of a little like if the moon's like um if it's like a new moon new moon is when like there's no moon right yeah I think so um like you can see it's just beautiful or um right at the beginning of the pandemic um because nobody was swimming like the ocean started coming back to itself and things that hadn't been in the ocean for like a decade um at least on our shores came back and then bioluminescence happened and I saw that and I was like oh my god and on top of that if you if, if you just need a reason to go Alicia Keys house is literally down the street from UCSD you could you could drive by it Quite frankly, I knew a girl who like went running and she saw her one one day. But the thing was, wow. she was white and didn't really like. Mm. So I was saying, she goes, oh, I met her. And I was like, all the niggas that are at UCSD and you met Alicia Keys on a morning run? Girl, please. That's not fair. That's but not you fair at least would have came and stopped by at least once. I'm like, hey, what's up? You know what I'm saying? Gave us a little private show. Ain't never did something. I used to ask that about a lot of the celebs because it'd be so many people with money that just be in La Jolla. So Lalisha, like Swizz, it's like, dang, y'all, y'all can't stop by the BRC real quick. Uh, LeBron was on our campus once. Chris Paul hold his camp there. Like, yo, I I remember my second. I heard MJ Rod Rodriguez came, and I'm like, I missed that day. I, I literally, I literally tweeted at Chris Paul. I was like, hey, bro, like stop by the Black Resource Center before you leave or something. Just real quick, ain't nobody got to know. They don't care. They don't know. They don't pay attention. They need to pay attention, though, because the way we, we ride for them, okay? Okay. The way we ride for them. Um, the ocean has come up a lot in our conversation so far, and we also talked a little bit about uh, Texas. So I want to get to a little bit about Texas. We ain't going to talk about Texas too much on this podcast. Uh, but first, I want to talk about your relationship with water and the ocean, because if there's anyone I know that loves them, some ocean is you like literally every time I go to the beach and like I got to send the homie a quick little snippet of the ocean. So why don't you talk about what just the beach, the ocean, water and all that means for you? Definitely. First and foremost, thank you, because that is like a love language for me, like when my friends send me videos of the ocean because I can't be there anymore. Um, yeah, 
So I have loved mermaids since I was a little girl. Um, and do I believe they exist? Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Nobody can convince me they don't. Um, but um, I am Liberian, Nigerian, and Sierra Leonean. And like, I, I think a general term for like mermaids, I want to say on like the West African like coast is Mamiwata. Um, just because I've heard it uh, mm. like from different cultures around um, the West Coast. Um, and that's, if you look at like my social media, that's all it is. It's baby mommy Wata. <laughs> um, and um, like some of my friends call me mommy Wata just because like I feel like super connected to mermaids and I love the ocean. And I think when I think of the ocean, I like to use it as like a way to also like measure my mental health and like use it as a descriptor for people. Um, I think it's it's kind of like the easiest way to explain things sometimes because I feel like everybody has a general idea of water whether you have a fear of it or you love the water um, and whether you like to go swimming in a pool or you like to be in the ocean I think you have a general understanding of the different feelings of floating of what drowning might be like of, not, of trying to tread water of not being able to swim um, so I think the ocean allows me to have a common language with people when it comes to talking about like my mental health. Um, and I think like a lot of that symbolism is also like in shadow work as well. Um, and I, I just have always felt comfortable around the water. I've, I um, grew up going to beaches like with my dad um, and he enrolled me and my brother in swim lessons when I was a child. So I learned how to like, um, swim really early and we would do things like fly kites on the beach or it was just it was a part of like the things that made me happy as a kid and i think i just associate the ocean and water with like those peaceful happy moments as well but i think like when i think of it in like terms of my mental health i can like compare the really really bad days or dark days to what drowning could feel like or the days that i feel like empty or numb to being like i'm just treading water i'm i'm just you know, I'm not really floating because I'm struggling to float. But then I think the thing, see, the best days as floating in shallow water because you don't really have to put much effort in, you know, or playing right along the shore, like in the sand and just feeling like that bliss. And I think when I see visually that in my head, I think of like happy moments as like a baby experiencing sand for the first time or kids building a sandcastle or friends burying each other up to the neck and um, having like the water rush over them or people that don't really know how to swim or be in the water like being able to still engage with them so that that's like kind of like what I see with that or you know even when I think of like trying to like return to myself I, I think about how the body is mostly water you know what I'm saying and I feel like when I put myself in the ocean that's like super connecting me to it because here I am allowing whatever I'm feeling to essentially be washed away anytime I'm in the water. So yeah, I love the ocean. That was so beautiful. You're such a poet. Um, <laughs> nah, just as you were saying, I was like, oh no, this is for sure the clip that's going to get cut for the podcast. Cause like just the way you talk about like the ocean making happy as a kid and specifically like as a common language with people I think that's such a beautiful way to talk about the ocean because I think that anytime that I'm like talking with somebody or like 
me and one of my friends, we have like one-to-ones overlooking Scripps Beach. And it was just like, we're watching the sunset and just connecting with the ocean as a centerpiece. And what a magnificent, like just body. And yeah, I love the ocean too. So that was really amazing hearing you talk about how much you love it. I grew up up going to the Alameda Beach. And if y'all know anything about the Alameda Beach, it is not the best beach. It is not the best beach, but you know what? I loved it. I loved it. I loved it so much. Not the best beach, but I loved it. And I, I loved going, um, my dad, when I was younger, took us to like Alcatraz before and mm. all of that was just so cool to me. Like, oh, man, I love the bay. I love the water. I love being surrounded by water. Yeah, man. <laughs> if I could like build a house in the middle of the ocean that would not like be shaken by the waves, like I could get like steel pools all the way deep down. Or if I could like build an underwater like kingdom where I could live and like I had like constant airflow to the top. <sighs> You'd never see me again. <laughs> Where's Lynette? Bottom of the ocean. <laughs> okay, Queen of Atlantis. Okay, that's my goal. <laughs> you over here trying to be neighbors with Namor and shit. That's dope. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. <laughs> also love that movie. <laughs> I'm about to say, I thought I saw you in the background of Wakanda. Can you guess who my favorite Disney princess is aside from Tiana? Because Tiana's black, so she's automatically. But can you guess before Tiana who my favorite was? Let's see. Who might it be? I'm going to guess Cinderella. Ariel! I'm just, I'm just kidding. Are you, are you kidding? <laughs> Why would you say that? <laughs> we just had a whole conversation. <laughs> about mermaids and why i believe i am one at my core <laughs> the look of disgust when i said cinderella 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 her unless we're talking about brandies no <laughs> uh good old cinderella so i know that um it must have been like really magical for you that first trailer of the little mermaid and seeing like hallie as the mermaid I think I teared up. <laughs> I think I did. Um, I'm a little disappointed in her, the current hair that they're doing for her, just because I feel like she could have just like worn the locks. But I still love, still my, still my Disney princess, regardless. Um, but I'm still very excited about it. I'm gonna be in there. I'm gonna watch it. I, you know, I don't, I don't like going to the movie theaters a lot these days. But I'm gonna be there day of. <laughs> Best believe that. <laughs> awesome. I think. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I think the people need to know. Do you already have your makeup face planned for when you go see The Little Mermaid? I don't, and I didn't plan on it honestly. But I should plan like a mermaid theme look, huh? That'd be a good idea. I expect nothing less from you, honestly. I think I might. That's a good idea. I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna make note of that. For anybody that doesn't know, I'm a makeup artist, which is why he brought that up. So. <laughs> All right, so not to transition too roughly from the ocean to Texas, but I did have on this list to talk a little bit about uh, kind of moving to Texas and just what that experience is like. Like, of course, you mentioned uh, growing up, like you lived in a couple of different states, but following college and this UCSD experience, you moved to where are you, Austin, San Antonio? I forget. I live in the DFW area. I currently mm, live Dallas, in Dallas, Fort Worth. Um, Dallas should be my next move honestly um it's it's, pre- it's relatively close um but yeah i funny enough i lived in texas as a child i lived here for about three three or four years as a child um hated it 
Texas is where I experienced like my first racisms <laughs> and I experienced them as a child. Um, and I think a lot of like my childhood trauma was also very much connected to um, Texas, just like based on like my home life as well. So coming back here for me was honestly like the last thing I wanted to do. Mm. Um, and it, I moved to the day after graduation because it was almost like a last minute plan. Like I started planning around like a month or so um, to move here because um, my goal was to be in um, San Diego. But mm -hmm. ultimately, I knew I didn't want to have a roommate. Um, like I knew that it was also just too expensive because I didn't have a job right out of college. Um, and obviously, California is expensive. Um, but I knew that uh, I was coming to Texas to be around family and that when I was ready to get on my own two feet, it was probably going to be an easier transition, just affordability wise. Um, so that's exactly what happened. Um, the first year, honestly, it was kind of rocky. Um, if you know me, you know, I had a pet, an ESA, not a pet. He was my most support animal obsidian and i raised him from eight weeks old within the first year sid got eaten by predatory birds r.i.p sid um i was distraught heartbroken um but i also got my first career job um within that first year as well and moved into my apartment bought a car got rid of that car and now here we are like stepping into my independence and growing um and trying to navigate the things that happen here in Texas from politics to bodily autonomy to just trying to figure it out, navigate, um, and just also just trying to adjust to the environment. It's very different environmentally, mm -hmm. like landscape wise, you're not going to see like mountains and palm trees and lakes and water and just have access, you know, access to all those things. And, um, at least in my area, um, but I've, I've, I visited Austin and I love Austin. I think like Austin is probably like the closest feel to California that I've had mm. thus, thus far. There's Lake Travis and there's a bunch of like mountain ranges that you can go hiking at. And um, just the vibe there, I think, is more California for me. And I think maybe if if I like had to stay in Texas, I think Austin would be like where where I would be long term. Um, I'm trying to give myself like a five year cap here um to try to figure it out like at some point i'm either gonna move closer west or back to california um either way i want to be close enough to where like i can access california um as easily as possible um so yeah my best friend was in vegas so i was considering that as well too and i mm -hmm. think that that would be nice because it's not, nothing but like a five-hour drive or so it's an sd yeah. pop, pop it for a weekend say hello um yeah so it's been an interesting year um in the time that I've been here, Uvalde happened, and that was very sad um, and heartbreaking. And um, at the time, I, I was in a home with like a bunch of children, so I felt very shaken by that. And as as y'all know, it's all happening in, in like politics and stuff. I, I think everybody's pretty focused these days. Um, Texas is. I don't want to say a scary place to be, but I do know that like <laughs> it's not my favorite place to be, especially knowing that like things are accessible that should not be accessible, i.e. guns, and things that should be accessible are not, i.e. 
<laughs> abortion. <laughs> it's like, here or there. I'm not trying to get too political. I know that's my degree, so I have a really bad habit of spiraling. So I'm just gonna leave it there. But I, I work from home, so I don't really have to like go out and interact mm. with people hella. And I, I have a couple of friends that I like to hang out with and um, I do spend a lot of time alone because I, I like my alone time. Um, but yeah, I'm making the most out of it. Um, I'm getting connected, you know, trying to get connected with like my sorority out here. And I, I've gotten to do a little bit of Greek things out here. So that's been nice. Um, but yeah, yeah. And I also visited Houston. I, I was considering Houston too. I, I, I like Houston. I think Houston was a vibe. There's a lot of black people there. And I was like, mm-hmm. that Austin, one of these two for a long-term stay. So yeah, Texas, Texas, Texas. It's not bad. And honestly, I think if the politics were different, I think it would be even better, truly. And Mm -hmm. the crazy thing is a lot of people that live here feel the same way, but obviously a lot of people that live here don't, so. A majority. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But I think that the reason why I wanted to just give you space to talk about Texas and uh, you can get as political as you want when you talk about whatever you want, because I think that part of people telling their stories is just talking about like where they're living the environments that they're in because all of that shapes who we are i think that's like one of the beautiful things about being artists because i think artists just see a lot of these connective tissues and see the way that places and nature can impact people um that's why like i'm interested in like screenwriting and film and stuff because even just thinking about like your love for mermaids like how impactful that is to have like a black woman being in a position that of uh being like a mermaid that you uh, love so much and just representation right. and all that is just so so important um so yeah thank you for sharing about that journey to texas now the topic that the people are waiting for want to transition to talk about poetry you are the first poet outside of myself to make an appearance on the banquet hall so you are the banquet hall's house poet uh the first lady poet of the banquet hall I like the little little dance, little victory Everybody dance you're doing. If you're listening to this and you're not watching it, you can't see, but I'm really gigging right now, okay? She <laughs> is. That's why you got to hop on over to YouTube, check out the video, or if you're on Spotify, you can check out the video and see the little dance, and we're going to have the Lynette Dance Challenge at the end of this episode. Don't bring it around, yeah. Bring it back around. Not to bring it around town. Um, <laughs> but... One of the most important things I want to talk to you about on this podcast is shadow work. I have my copy right here for the camera. Um, Such a powerful. Mine is, is, uh, it's been marked up clearly. It's been, it's gone through the ringer. (laughs) We love that though, but uh, such a powerful book. And I want to get into that in a bit, but first I wanted to put you on the spot. Do you remember how we crossed paths at UCSD? Yes. Yes, yes, I do. <clears throat> what was it? What was the interaction? What was the first interaction you remember? Let's see if it's the first one I remember. I think my very first interaction with you may have been in the BRC, right? But I think first first interaction would have been the first flexing that was at the like underneath. You know that that little room that had been underneath the BRC. It's not. It's, it wasn't. Oh, the stage room. The stage room. We there was a flex and held in there one day, and I think that may have been our very first interaction. It was at the BRC. It was actually, I think it was the uh, the orientation there, moving day or something, uh, because you had mentioned 
looking this is like your first day on campus i think but you had mentioned like wanting to like get involved in like poetry and just being really big in poetry and i was like and i had like connected with jovi and all that then me and jovi came this big poetry duo yeah yeah Yeah, that was the first day and because you started at ucsd in 2017 2018 i graduated in 21 2017 fall 2017 yeah, so your first year at UCSD was right after I graduated. So I had just become a staff member because I remember I was like, dang, like I wish that I was still here as a student because we can like do this poetry thing. Yeah. Uh, but I remember like telling Javi, I was like, oh, like you definitely like got to connect with this person, like just show them what it is with yeah, the poetry did. stuff. Yeah, we did. Did. That's the homie. I love them so much. Y'all did that. Um, and then I think our, so that was the first time I remember meeting you, but our first interaction, I think you had. Well, not first interaction, but I was helping you practice a poem at Muirfield. Kyler, that was our first real, real interaction, I yep. think. I think I had asked you for help to help me practice performing a piece that I hadn't performed at UCSD yet. Oh, oh no, because I performed it, I performed it at the at that flex and that was in the stage mm-hmm. room but I needed to perform a shorter version of it. Mm-hmm. So I had condensed it, but I needed to run it by somebody who knew poetry and was good at poetry. And Kyler, if y'all don't know, Kyler is like one of the co-founders of Fluxin. So I had to go to like the poetry king on campus to ask for help. So I was the poetry king on campus and I was like, hey, what's up? So we went into a field. Um, and I think we had another friend there. We went into a field and Kyla drilled it into me, Loki. He was like, you keep, you messed up. I'll go back. And I was like, all right, you got, you're right. And honestly, it, it was, he was like Coach Kyler for like my whole time there. Yeah. Kyler Coach was Kyler. Coach Kyler. Yeah. Like if I needed to practice, like it was running to buy Kyler because, hey. Not the king of poetry on campus though. Like I don't think everybody's ever called me the king of poetry. Yeah, but I'm calling you that now because I mean, you, you did co-found Flexin. <laughs> Hey, we, we did the thing, but I mean, if y'all don't know, Kyler got like six books. I, I don't know. I don't know anybody else's. I only got one. Okay. I only got one. So right. You only have one so far. Well, I'm let I'm gonna give you your flowers. Uh, okay, I'll take the flowers. This is this episode is to give you your flowers. Thank though. you, but let's you know, we go we don't respect the royalty a little bit. <laughs> I appreciate the love. Um, let's start before we get into the actual shadow work piece itself. I want to talk through like just becoming a poet and like when did you? F- you don't necessarily have to say like when you first wrote a poem, but like what was the birth of the poet for you? Um, so this is gonna sound kind of morbid, but I started writing because um, as a kid, um, <laughs> how do I wear this without making it sound so sad? Make it sound um, how you want to sound. This is your story. Like, yeah, and I don't want re- it to sound so sad. But yeah, basically, you want. Um, my biological mom and I have had a very codependent relationship, and it was extremely toxic. Um, and anytime something would go wrong, whether I really did something wrong or whatever the case was, I had to apologize. But she does this thing where she doesn't talk <laughs> to me for like two weeks to like two months. And we could we could be in a house full of people. She'll say hi to everybody and pass by me. So I had I had to start writing, 
I would like write her letters mm. apologizing. Even if I didn't feel like I was wrong, I would write letters to apologize because at some point I started to feel like silenced. Um, so whether or not I needed to talk to her. So um, I had a, my dad had got me a journal as well and she opened it and she read it <laughs> and I was so mad. So then I, I was like, I need to write my feelings. But like, the funny thing is my biological mom's a poet. And so I figured maybe if I wrote how I felt about how things were between she and I, um, even as a kid, um, and I wrote them in, a, in poetry, maybe she would read that, you know mm. what I'm saying? And the crazy part was I deliberately gave her that journal and she never read it. She never read the poetry pieces. So she wanted to go read my personal journal, but she didn't. So I, I was trying to figure out a way to have common language with her and it, it mm. didn't work. So um, I felt violated in my real journal and I felt like I couldn't really, I didn't really have a voice um, like growing up and I have an older brother who like, she would always take his side for things. So I always felt like it doesn't matter what I say. And I felt that the same way like I got to UCSC and I didn't want anybody to feel how I felt when I got there, I knew that I didn't want anybody else to feel silenced. Mm -hmm. So my big starting poetry, I think was very not I wouldn't I don't want to say rebellious, but like a lot of like revolutionary like feelings in there and a lot of like um, liberating type of feelings. I like I, I did I wrote a whole poem called the the footnote to a caged bird by Maya Angelou. Ooh. Yeah, that one came out really good. I, I don't know where I'm gonna put that. But yeah, so I, I started writing things like that. I wrote this poem called Black Boy Fly based off of you already know Kendrick Lamar. Um, and I, I had like written that about like my older brother. And I just I just started writing things that because I felt like I needed to pour out all these things I was bottling up. Um, especially around the time where I started to really feel depressed, which was around 12. And when I told like my parents and my godmother, who is my maternal figure, really, um, she was the only one that really paid attention um, and nobody listened. So um, besides her um, and but I mean, as a godparent, there's only so much she could have done until like, you know, I got older where she was allowed to really like she was able to really help me more because I could make my own decisions and things. Um, so that's how I started writing. And I just. I, I just got more into it. And then in high school, um, uh, once I, I left California for like my last year of high school to go take care of my grandmother on the East Coast, um, I moved to New Jersey at that time. So there goes my one year of being in Jersey. Um, but I had also lived in like Pennsylvania and like in and out of New York as well, too. So um, I went there and the school that I went to had a poetry club and that poetry club participated in competitions. And so I started competing with my poetry. First, first thing I did, I, I competed with Black Boy Fly, um, memorized it, and it was, it was amazing. I came in like second place though, which wasn't bad because like what I got as a gift should have been the first person's gift. <laughs> should have been first place for real. First place got like a, a signed book from one of the judges, and I got like a leather bound journal with a a wooden. Well, I think I have the pen with this wooden pen that I can like refill and it just twists out. So I've had this pen for probably over a decade now and I Damn. still have the, I actually, give me one second. I'm going to go get the journal. <laughs> Woo. 
got this journal as well. And it's honestly, yeah, like I'm never, I don't think I'm ever going to get rid of it. I, I had started like writing all like little words and things. Oh, wow. Like, if like anybody ever wants to like, like old school, old school poetry from like me. Yeah, that's in here. And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure the, uh, the footnote <laughs> to the caged bird is in here too. Yeah. So wow. I spent a lot of time. Since a lot of time with this, and so I, I have no regrets coming in second place to her because, like I said, I think I got the best thing. And then from then on, I got to compete in a poetry recitation competition where I recited Cage Bird. <laughs> um, funny enough, did not win, but it was still a lot of fun and had it for it being my only second, for it being only my second competition. Um, I was, I think I did really well. Um, and I think I memorized it really well. And I think I tried to convey my emotions the best as possible. But like, I have always had stage fright. So getting up there and doing it, I think, probably showed a little bit um, at that time. And I think I've definitely done so much better. Um, now, I think I perform way better now. Um, wow. So yeah, That's how I started writing. Um, and then I just kept going from there and I started writing more performance pieces. I listened heavily to Kendrick Lamar um, and I listened heavily to Tupac. Those are like all time favorite rappers. I, old Kendrick is all time favorite rapper. I should say I, newer Kendrick. I, I'm kind of like still debating how I feel about it. Um, but I listened to a lot of old school hip hop as well too. I listened to a lot of like 90s hip hop as well. A lot of like 80s hip hop as well. I listened to a lot of, I feel like my writing style was really cultured by the things like I've listened to like a tribe called Quest and to like Camp Low and stuff and like the Fugees and like my nickname in my poetry club was Little Lauren because of that. So yeah. Oh, has gonna love this episode hearing that type of inspiration. I know, I know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm low key an old head. The thing like people I know I look young to people. I, I look like a kid low key, but like I'm I'm pushing 30, y'all. I'm pushing 30. People don't, I was talking to this Uber driver, funny enough, um, coming home from the Smino and JID concert last month. And he was, it was an older black guy. And I basically like for like that 45 minute ride ran through my, he was, cause he was not grilling me, but I think he was trying to see like what I really knew about music and what I really knew about. He hit you, what you, what you, what you know about that youngin? Not necessarily, like he was kind of trying, he, he wanted me to put him on things like from today that I felt was like as good as stuff from like back mm. then. So I went through like different playlists and at the end of that ride, like right when we got to my house, he was like, you know your stuff. And I was like, cause I'm a connoisseur. <laughs> yeah, but those, the, I think my writing is heavily, was heavily cultured by that. And then um, what else? I think I'm also like a super huge romantic, like hopeless romantic. Um, and also hopelessly sad as well, thanks to depression. Um, and I think um, those those feelings also all tie in and like the things that I watch, like wanting to feel like comfort and comfort shows or uh, watching like romance movies or watching things that were really sad and I, or, or listening to things that were even sad too. Like um, I, I still listen to 
things like alternative music and like rock and like all that stuff because like that was also a big part of my childhood like you you say you put on some fallout boy best believe i'm gonna rage my chemical romance oh baby teenagers scared the living okay yes that's me so a lot of my writing i think was also cultured by angsty teen mm. <laughs> angsty teen that listens to like rock music and things but like i combined it but then i at the same time i also like played classical music if <laughs> So many, I love it. so many things happening here and then when i got to um community college i met dr terrence elliott who was like my father figure at school he was so dope he was a music professor but he was also my humanities teacher and he he pushed me even further in in my in my poetry and i can tell you that if it was not for him i probably one would not be here and when I say be here, one, I mean alive. Two, would not have made it to UCSD. Three, would not be the poet that I am. Um, the main thing he taught in our humanities class was that humanities was the art of being human. And in this class, we are learning the art of being human. And um, he pushed us to be creative, and to be ourselves and to tap into our humanity. And so there came a point where like, I would just show up at his office <laughs> and he would be like playing like piano probably on the other side. And whether I was in tears or I was laughing or I needed to come show him a piece, he would sit with me and we would run through the piece. And I, oh, what's the piece? Unapologetically black. He was the first person to hear that. He was the first person to hear it and to help me culture it to what it is today. He knew, how he he could hear the passion he could hear the feeling he could hear everything in it and he pushed me and he pushed me and he pushed me to just be my best self to write how i felt he said and he said to me he said you know you belong in music and i just i never i never i was like you know i can't sing right you know i can't really uh, <laughs> i haven't played no instruments and i don't know how long i would love to pick back up i was like you could teach me how to replay the piano he'd be like you gotta lose your nails and i was like aha Psych. <laughs> Psych. <laughs> um, but then like, you know, I would I would like go to the studio with him on campus and like like with him. I would be in there with him as, and his students as like as they were like writing music and dropping beats and he got me on one of the tracks. I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> he got me on the tracks one day. And I think, wow, I gotta send him this podcast when we're done because like I, 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 I genuinely love him so much. Like when I was leaving for UCSD, like he gave me a really big hug and I cried and he's like, you know, you're one of my daughters, right? And I was like, yeah, and I just, boom. So yes, great, great man. Love him to death. He also got me like a journal that's like this big and that I, I started pouring into after I got it. So yeah, that's like how Tino started writing. <laughs> wow. that What an amazing origin story. So much came to mind as you were cooking. And I was just like, I can't even interrupt you to ask these. I just let you cook. That was beautiful. Uh, one, there's a couple things that stood out. And yeah, first, I think the title of this episode now has to be Shadow Work and the Art of Being Human. I had to write that down. Oh, uh, that's perfect, Kyla. What? See, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be listening. Um. And related to that, like for the list, 
my avid listeners know this and my friends know this, but like I think one of my new life goals is to write like a I want to write an original black superhero movie, but I just want to write like movies and film in general. And I'll let you know this today. If I ever write a movie that has a poet in it, they're based off of you. Like they have to be based off of you. Give me the role because I bet you I can act it. <laughs> okay, sure. You could you could be the poet, but act it too. <laughs> All right. Well, there you see, I was selling you short. Like I, I you, if I ever write a movie, you're going to star as the so poet. Much like character. Movie. I really feel like if I wanted to be an actor for real, I could really oh, do absolutely. I could really do that. <laughs> but I think I just really relate to a lot of just what you said about like becoming the writer that you are today and kind of mm -hmm. how really the purpose, not the purpose, but the, one of the big reasons why I wanted to talk to a poet and you on this podcast is just because all of these things lead into the poet being made. All of these things lead to yeah. the poem, they lead to the book. Uh, it's the music that you're listening to, it's the people that are impacting you, it's those experiences that you're having. And it's very interesting to me that you mentioned like Kendrick Lamar and Tupac, because I think those are definitely a lot of the people or an artist that I think about and listen to when I'm trying to get in that writing spirit. I think especially after seeing the Tupac exhibit in LA, when I got to like see the poems that Tupac was writing, because I, I don't know to, what it is about Kendrick and poetry. I had to but, buy the book. I had to buy Tupac's poetry book. It, it only but I don't know what it is about Kendrick Lamar and poets, but I think there's like a spiritual universal connection between like poets and Kendrick Lamar, because I just, like you said, especially old Kendrick, there's about, something in them words. When you think about like to pimp a butterfly, right. Or you think about a master entitled, or you think about like section eight, like when you think about old Kendrick, right. And you listen to his, like when the lyricism behind it, He's putting poetry over beats, if we're being for real. Like, he's really talking to the people. And what I think people, I'm so glad I chose Angela Davis for this background. Because when I think of, when I think of poets, the same way artists are supposed to be like the voice, like the, the like showing, showing the emotions of the people through like the, the paintings and all that. I think poets, those speakers you hear, those people that are out there being the actual voice, I'm talking like yelling, you know what I'm saying? We quote speeches, okay? Speeches are damn near poetic monologues, okay? I think all of these people have, like, at their core is is what poetry is, and it is the voice of the people. And hence, you know, my poetry collective, the Blue Poet Society, the whole objective is being the voices of the voiceless, right? If, if I can thing. interject real quick, it's like, um, serendipitous that right before you said the voice of the people I wrote and you can even see it on the doc because you're on it now but at the bottom of the doc I wrote voice of the people at 3 24 p.m because I needed to remember that to clip like I typed voice of the people then you said voice of the people so I love that I'm crying <laughs> <laughs> yeah I just I I feel like music in itself is is finding a crafty like when you read lyrics if you just go on genius and you read lyrics of like a quality song not not you know we all got our turn up songs you know what i'm saying but if you go and you read somebody that like really puts their smino because he's my current favorite alive okay i've said that man about three times smino is a genius if we're being for real, like the devil on Tandras, the flow, the way he switches it up, like he's in a field of his own. And if you look at his writing, he'll say something. It'll take me a couple. I don't got to play it back. Like, oh, that was so neat. How did he, 
You feel me? And I feel the same way when I hear a dope line in a poet in like somebody mm-hmm. saying poetry. So yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I love this episode. Um but all of that being said, like, see, we didn't even talked about the book yet. That's what's just so powerful about poetry. Um, but before, I know I keep saying before we get to Shadow War, before we get to Shadow War, but you mentioned Blue Poet Society, and I wanted to give you, like, a little bit more space. I think that's when I interjected. So if there's anything else you want to talk about with Blue Poet Society and what that's meant for you as a poet. Right. Um, so Blue Poet Society was a poetry collective that I established in college. Has it done anything lately? No. <laughs> but I think everybody that that is essentially in the collective is doing their own thing and doing their own thing in like their best way possible. Um, and I think the collective itself was more so it was that and then it was a shades of blue arc like collective was supposed to be like an arts collective of everybody being a part of that. So I think that's more, if it was anything, if it was an entity still, that that would be the focus of everybody's individual like crafts right now. Um, but in college, that was me, Jovi, um, King James, okay. Um, and it was a couple other people. Um, my best friend who actually went to Davis at the time um, was in this poetry collective. And, you know, we would sign up for anything on campus and we would just do it so we were at flexing we were speaking at we were putting on for like open mics on campus or if there was an event where like they needed like a poetry or something like we were signing up i believe me and jovi had performed um we performed a piece for the five-year anniversary of the brc um Mm. so yeah that's that's just what we did and then like our instagram page like we would upload pieces and stuff like that and I, i think it was just a nice way to just continue putting poetry out there and, and, and in the public and, and and yeah um i would love to reestablish that and i would love to like kick it back off at some point um and um i think once i can really figure out a structure of what it should look like now that we're all you know out of college and then also like trying to bring people in and stuff like that and like actually make it like a thing like a a nice big thing where like we can put on things together. I think that would be really dope. I think that'd be a dream of mine to like do like a poetry tour at some point with like mm. the, the Blue Poet Society slash Shades of Blue. So yeah, that'd be dope. Shout out to the Blue Poet Society. The Blue Poets gang gang, a lot of gang shit. <laughs> a whole lot of gang shit. Uh, but the moment that we've been alluding to, shadow work. Uh, this is a book that you release. What is this going on a three year anniversary of shadow work? Right. Oh boy, I released Shadow Work December 21st, 2020. Yes, 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 yes. It has been a journey and it's funny how Shadow Work actually came to be. Um, Shadow Work wasn't Shadow Work until one night. So the poems in here I had been collecting and honestly some of them I think were in here too and i think i had about anywhere from like 90 70 to like 100 maybe 90 to 100 somewhere around that poems or so that i i um didn't really have a plan with but one day i had a really 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 bad um depressive episode and i broke (laughs) i was in my little studio on campus black housing at the time and i just broke down like 
crying, 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 crying. I was crying so hard, just wanting all of those feelings to just stop, um, wanting the people around me, wanting the people that I loved, that I called friends, that I called family to understand me, to, to try to understand what was going on in my head, how I was feeling, what depression really can do. Like, yes, people get sad and yes, people have periods of being depressed, but when you are clinically depressed and you are kind of in a constant state of melancholy all the time, despite this laugh and big smile and all these engagements that I'm having with you, it's like every morning I have to force myself to be like, okay, today, we are making a conscious decision. And no matter what happens, if things are coming at your way, like we are gonna try our best despite it because there's this underlying, you know what I'm saying? Sadness that's just always there. And um, there are times where like, I feel completely empty and numb and disconnected and, and apathetic and I feel nothing. Mm -hmm. And nobody could really get it. Nobody nobody could relate because of how severe the things I'm, I'm experiencing was like, I'm constantly suicidal. That's like, this <laughs> doesn't feel good, you know? And I'm not anymore. Um, I, I'm not anymore. Um, do I still experience like really deep depressive episodes? Yes, but I, I think the, the way I've like changed, like my frame of mind is I'm in a place where the dark is a, is afraid of me. And that's the last poem in the book, <laughs> okay? I got a bookmark. Book. The dark is afraid of me. You're going to be around here, right? But we're going to coexist. And in coexisting, I'm going to be in control. So that's essentially what shadow work became, became my journey of depression. And I, I separated it into four different stages, which are in the book. Um, and that night that I broke down, something in me was just like, right. I pulled out my laptop and I hand out that intro, like the, what's it called? The, uh, the preface. I hammed out the, this, and it was honestly out of the entire book. The preface is my favorite thing. Mm. I feel like if anybody reads anything, I hope that they read that because I feel like not only does it explain like what you what's like it kind it kind of sets you up for what the book is about, but I think it it really does give an insight to me before you even get into the poetry, and it implores you as a reader to get it to, to think about these things as you read like i pose questions about why are we scared to face like the thing about shadow work is like you are you are facing all those negative things negative feelings whether it's negative feelings you feel about yourself whether it's negative feelings that you're harboring whether it's the darkness you 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 put away because you you don't want to associate with it like it's a part of you and in like the preface i talk about i am just as much my shadow as i am my light and the crazy thing that we do with our shadow is we don't love it our shadows follow us like they do on a nice sunny day. We don't give them time to, 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 to be cared for. We don't embrace them. We don't, we don't give them space to be and exist. We don't validate those feelings. We tell ourselves we shouldn't feel these negative things. We tell ourselves that it's bad. We tell ourselves that, that we're bad if we feel these things. We tell ourselves that um, we are deserving of bad things happening to us because we feel these things. Or like, if I'm talking about my depression, I was like, 
I'm never going to get better. Everything's, it's just, everything's going to be shit. You know what I'm saying? Like forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Or, or look at how my life has played out from the time that I, because the crazy thing is literally from the time that I was conceived <laughs> to now, my life has been rickety, <laughs> completely like complete turmoil, literally from the jump. Like I almost died five times in the process of birth before we even talk about me growing up with like a really traumatic like childhood and then, um, you know, knowing that I felt depressed at 12 and not being able to get help until I was 20. You know what I'm saying? Like there was just so many things that played into it that I feel like I didn't even know how to love my darkness. I didn't know how to care for her. I didn't know how to validate her. I didn't know how to be like, you are seen you are valid. Everything that you feel, all those things that hurt is valid and you did not deserve it. And I love you regardless. And you know what? I'm going to help you get better. I'm going to help you understand it. And if nobody gets it, at least you put it out there and you get it. And I put this out there for myself and I hoped that if anybody bought it and if anybody read it, that it would do something for them. And if it didn't, that they understood me a little better as well. So... Yeah, a little spiel about shadow work. No notes. That was that's the podcast. <laughs> like literally, I think that's I think you described shadow work perfectly. I think that you gave like such a powerful overview of it to people who haven't read it yet. And I think that folks listening to this are gonna be moved just to buy it just based off of how, like I said, how intentional everything is with shadow work. And I remember, because as you were talking about the preface and how it's like, if you wanted anybody to read that, if you wanted anybody to read anything like that support that you hope they read and that they understand. And as you were saying that, I was thinking about when I first read the preface and how like, I literally got, a, I probably got like 60% through the preface and had to stop reading it because I was like, so like, reflective of like, just the words that you were saying and just how impactful and how deep that shadow work gets. And so I wanted to like, I went back to our text thread while I was listening to you and was trying to find out when I first read it. Cause I know I texted you and I actually read it a month before it came out and I forgot about this. You sent me the I gave you the, I gave manuscript for feedback. And as I was real, I was like, damn, like we really go back like full flats because we really like, do. we're for lifers. We're for lifers, Kai. <laughs> it was literally November 21st, 2020. So a month before, um, and I'm like giving you feedback on it um talked about how affirming it is how inspiring it is but more importantly after i gave you that feedback i also said that i needed to read those words right now and felt like i was in a similar position that you were kind of describing so wow just thinking back to three years well almost three years but like i said no notes for anything you just said about shadow work i don't even know if i want to ask you any additional questions i think that was such. Yeah, like, right. uh, you have, i mean if you have questions about anything specific <laughs> I, don't, I, don't I mean we're going to get into it because it's a podcast and this isn't just about me and i need like of course to do the podcast hosting but i was like nah like literally everything that i wanted to hear you talk about you said in that just little intro spiel about shadow work so um as i was preparing for this podcast i definitely wanted to just comb through shadow work again and just think through like some of the things that i want to ask and some of it that we already touched on but as I just opened it up, I felt like every other page, I was like folding the little page at the corner, like, oh, I need to go back to this. We're going to start a, a poetry podcast at this point. So we could, first of all, we got six books. <laughs> <laughs> a 
if we don't, if we want to talk about pieces individually, we ought to start our own poetry podcast. Hey, you ain't said nothing but an idea as far as I'm concerned. I'm sure. Okay. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> but no, I think that, I think so. It's, we basically starting the AP Lit podcast. AP Lit, I'm crying. <laughs> You know what's funny? I was never in AP Lit. <laughs> I was very comfortable in regular Lit. <laughs> but I feel like the stuff we're going to be on is advanced placement. That's that's all I'm saying. I agree. I agree. I suggest y'all start sharpening up on y'all poetry skills, okay? Sharpening up on the poetry skills, but uh, let me just hit like, a, I'll, how about I just give like a couple of thoughts on some things that I read and then we could just have the conversation go from there. Um, and I think the first, the first one that I folded the page on, it's all in my head. And you said, so I, it's all in my head. They said, so I dipped my pen in cerebral spinal fluid and wrote it on my paper flesh. And I think that is like the perfect metaphor for what it even means to be a poet. And so, yeah, I just think that when I think about writing a book, I'm just curious about like, yeah, what is. I think the question I want to ask you, because this is something that I think about a lot, what does it mean to have a book out in public? Like people can just, like you said, this is just like your inner thoughts on paper flesh. And now it's just on motherfuckers bookshelves. (laughs) Well, that's a great question. Um, You know, I think the thought about having it out originally scared me because it's, when you think about writing a book that's not um, like nonfiction in the sense that like, you know, you're, you're writing about a specific topic, you're not, or, cause I also like, I also story write, like I have novels that I do like fiction writing. It's very different when you put out like a poetry book because I feel like poetry can be like the rawest of emotions. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the fact that I've literally healed layers of my skin essentially. And that poem is in here. It's one of my old, like old poems, right? Um, I feel like I got to a point where I was like, I'm not, nobody's silencing me anymore. The fact is, if I put it out there, who can silence me, mm. right? I'm, I'm owning, I'm owning everything. Like the thing about, I took my voice and I and I said I'm putting it out there and nobody can stop me. Right? Like you you can't shut me up. And I think that in itself was an act of rebellion for me. Um was you constantly telling me that my depression is in my head that it's false that it's that that I am being dramatic that it's mental illness blah you don't even really believe in it. Um so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put it out on paper and you can read it and accept it whether or not but the thing is this is my truth. And I'm putting it out there and I'm saying, this is me. You take me or you leave me. And it is what it is. <laughs> and if you take it and you, and you, and not only do you see me, but you see yourself in it, then it's like, who are people to throw rocks at glass houses? If we're all low key connected, if we're all, if we all kind of feel the same way, you know, if we all kind of have a little something in us that needs to get out. Um, and I think that's what I, that's, that's what, that's what you do when you do, when you put out like a, a poetry collection or, or a chat book or a book, you are 
putting it out there and you're saying, I own how I feel. Mm-hmm. I own this is I own me. My, yeah, this is me. I own my mistakes and you can judge me. You can do whatever, but it changes nothing. Mm. It's nothing. And you are free to cast a stone, but I guarantee you, you will probably find something in here that you might just relate to. So before you do that, before you make a judgment, and I guess more so at like a more holistic thing, before you make a judgment about somebody with mental illness, maybe reflect on yourself a bit because <laughs> you never know what you might have going on. <laughs> I think everybody is a little fucked up <laughs> along the way. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, that's just kind of like my thoughts around when you put out a book. And I think specifically when you put out a poetry book, like you're, you're putting out rawness, you're putting out your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions. You are essentially publishing your diary. Yeah. And if I put an analysis of your diary at that an analysis of my diary, who is putting, you know what I'm saying? Like a poem called monsters of, I think it's called monsters of monsters in shadow work. And if you look at the acronym, what does that spell? Mom. (laughs) Damn. I ain't even peep. Nobody. I think only two people noticed that is that it, that it's that it's essentially mom. You you a motherfucker, I'll tell you that. <laughs> like I'm literally get, if you if anybody wants to know why I feel a certain way about certain things, you probably might find the answer in shadow work. <laughs> um, but I think you also might relate to it. You know what I'm saying? You know how yeah. many people go through things with stuff like parents yeah. lost love or or longing for love or, 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 or rejection or wanting, what's the, what, there's a, a, I talk about dealing with meds in here. I talk about mm-hmm. using my book as a, as a rolling tray. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like I talk about, every, it's literally an analysis of my diary of, of like my brain of my thoughts to a certain extent. So. Yeah. And I just look back at monsters of monsters and I'm just, wow. Like the first line, the last line, yeah um this is why when like i and this is gonna be my last poet psa soapbox before we start kind of round out this episode but when motherfuckers be like oh this book is twenty dollars this book should be like two thousand dollars if we keep it a gangster like people it's on page 25 if you're looking for it (laughs) i found it um (laughs) these books are priceless because just the level of thought and intentionality to where all like just you naming that poem that and the and the meaning behind that like the significance of it for motherfuckers to think that it's just a title of a poem like nah bro like this like literally i i think and i think people that write can can do like analysis to really read between the lines and i think like i i want people to tap into themselves to be able to read between the lines you know so i think everybody's capable of it you know what i'm saying absolutely wow poets are such powerful people i'm so happy that i asked you to be on this podcast and you're blessing us with your your knowledge your wisdom which i don't i think we start recording after this but a lot of that wisdom is about to be removed from you because you get your wisdom teeth out but yeah man I'm happy that we got the wisdom on the podcast before. It's like a time capsule of your wisdom before you get it removed next week. Right? I'm gonna be a little. I'm gonna be four teeth dumber. So <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm four teeth dumber too, and I came out with books after I got my wisdom teeth out. Okay, so I, maybe maybe taking them out might boost my brain knowledge. 
You never I mean, literally. I'm book two at some point for real. I really gotta. I gotta get book two together. Oh, don't worry. That's on the list to talk about. I'm crying. <laughs> um, but it's funny that we talked about that because I didn't even intentionally think about this. But there's a poem in my book, Obsidian, about just that moment right before I got my wisdom teeth out when I was looking at like my heartbeat monitor, and I was like, "Damn, this is like my first confirmation of my like." heartbeat i was like oh let me write a poem about that um you right just, before going under for wisdom to you i'm about to i'm about to have my phone out there like oh this is my heartbeat oh stop Charlotte, don't inspire me don't inspire me uh um quick plug for shadow work uh where can folks find it if somebody's listening to this say like oh i want in on the i want in on the club <laughs> I would say tnomiwa.com, but not right now. Uh, the best place you can get it is amazon.com. And honestly, Amazon's selling it for stupid cheap. So, hey, you might as well go get it while you can, because at some point, I'm going to have tnomiwa.com back up, and it's going to be $25 again, not like 5 or $6 that it is on Amazon right now. So Only $25. Only $25. It's a steal. Y'all like heard the literary genius behind the book. You know what? For you and the homies, your mama, you for you daddy, and the homies. your grandsitas, okay? Yeah, and I mean, I think that it's only right because if you're going to be selling it for 25 it's only like 5 or 6 on Amazon right now. That means people should buy five books for the price of one. And just, I honestly had the idea of like buying like 100 books, like of like 100 author copies and just leaving them in random places in the street. Mm. So if you want to do me a solid... Go buy them at this very cheap cost and just drop them off in random places. Somebody's going to pick it up. Hey, <laughs> I'm with it. That's the type of grassroots things we own on the banquet hall. Oh, yeah. Grassroots. Grassroots move. That's how the arts, <laughs> how the artists have to do it, isn't it? That's how we do it. Uh, but rounding out this podcast episode, just a few high-level questions and just letting you cook as long as you want. Uh, first things first, I think that along the lines of the conversation of just what it means to put your work out there as a poet. I wanted to give space to talk about the importance of feedback when it comes to being a poet and how like when people read your stuff, when people hear your stuff that I think that and Jada and I, Jada and Jada and I talked about this last episode, but we need a little bit more than a good job sometimes. Like, like what's, what's a yeah. good job? So let's talk a little bit about the importance of feedback. <laughs> Man. It's so annoying, <laughs> this topic, because I have very strong emotions around it. And the thing is, when I think when I think of writing, when I think of poetry, and I compare them to other forms of art, I don't believe that people support words and books the same way. Um, people can look at an art painting and interpret it anyway, you know what I'm saying? And give their thoughts and feedback. But then when they read a poem, they're like, that was good. Or I liked it. Okay. <laughs> what about it? Like, what did you get from it? What did you hear? Did you like the cadence? Did you like the, like, the syntax, the diction? Like, what did you like? What was it? Did you like the words? Did you like the symbolism? Did did you even get the message? Did did it mean? Did, did how did you it even translate? get the message? Yeah, like or if there if if I didn't have if I had a specific message for me, was there a message for you? Did you take anything from it? Did it make you 
feel anything. People can look at art, can look at sculptures and feel something and want to cry. But the, the crazy thing about poetry is sometimes people won't feel anything unless they hear it. But mm-hmm. how many folks are going out to open mic nights? Talk about it. I'm, I got to host Black Expression later tonight. Let's talk about it. How many, like, not often. And how many of y'all are supporting your friends that are performing at open mic nights? How many of y'all are buying their writing? How many of y'all are saying, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll read over that for the same way you would want somebody to read over a 10 page paper for you and give you edit, edits. Like, you can't look at my little poem and just tell me how it might have made you feel or what you might have got from her or how you like feel or think. And I really appreciate having writer friends. You know what I'm saying? The only problem is like, you can't always connect with them. And mm-hmm. sometimes like, sometimes you don't necessarily want to like connect and have like a writing workshop session. You just want somebody who who is not a writer mm-hmm. to, to be able to, to feel something and, and tell you what it is like that they felt like, you are able to to speak to me and I don't do what you do. But I don't think people even like really give that emotion or energy to it to to want, you know what I'm saying? Right. I, I feel like people don't even have to want to do it sometimes. And it's really frustrating and annoying because like, you feel like sometimes you can feel unsupported even by people that you know, love and care about you. Like I have friends that'll be like, I bought your book, but I didn't read it because I don't like reading. Okay, thank you for putting a little bit of money in my pocket, but that's not super helpful. You know what I'm saying? Or like, I'd like to do this thing on like my close friends <laughs> where I'll be like, give me a word and I'll write you a piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will like write a like write pieces based off of the words friends will give me. And like, even the feedback, like, oh, thank you. I love this. Or I'm just like, <laughs> y'all can't see, but I'm squeezing my head. And I'm like, I'm so glad you liked it. I'm so glad you liked it. I'm so glad you liked it. But like, you're not giving me anything like I, I, I like reactions that are like, oh, that was sobering or, oh, that made me feel X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Or when you said this, that stood out like those, those kind of things are because then it lets me know what should I keep doing. So if I, even if I'm not talking about it from like the art aspect, I like to know what I'm working on, like, and like the technical aspect of like my writing structure. Do people like my longer pieces? Do people like the short pieces? Do people like the things where it's like, for example, my poem still here, I'm still here, period, or I'm still comma here, period. Like, do they care about the punctuation and how that ties into poetry? Like, do people care about the structure? Do people care? Do people like story type of pieces more, the prose pieces, do people, like what? What do you like about the writing? You're not telling me what it is. So how can I get better as an artist if you're not telling me as an artist what I should be doing, okay? (laughs) I'll get on my soapbox, but please like, feedback is necessary in every aspect of our life. You know what I'm saying? We get feedback in relationships and friendships. We get feedback, we get feedback at work. Like what makes, somebody's art that is poetry any different the same way people give feedback on songs people listen to songs people hear the lyricism they'll stop like "Ooh, that was a bar the only time i get a reaction like that is if i'm speaking on an open mic night you mean to tell because i mean kyler you already know like we'll text each other i'll be like "Ooh, kyler when you said this in that poem i felt it what you said that i had to reread that part but also niggas don't be reading <laughs> like read a book 
And you know what? Start with poetry because that might be easy for you. If we're being for real, <laughs> Kyler is cracking up. Y'all can't see, but he is cracking up. And now we get more listeners on YouTube, so they they can see why I'm cracking. But I'm cracking up because you're just filling my cup so much, like. Cause I just think about like, cause you mentioned it, like I have like six poetry books out there, like five technically, but it, we, whatever I have poetry books out there and it's like the amount of people it is like, Oh yeah, I bought it. And I'll follow up like three years later. Like, Dan, did you ever, did you ever read it? Did you ever read it? Like I, I, so there was people that, that wanted me to, I had like four copies that I was just trying to get rid of and I was like, I'll gift them out. And, you know, I like to personalize them to the people that I know. So I believe I wrote in yours and mm -hmm. um, other friends that bought things for me. So the four people I wrote, and in my head, I'm like, did these niggas ever even open the cover? Did you even read the note that I left for you? Did you? No, they didn't. But hold on, because I, I need to repeat that because I think some of these niggas are on my story. And I need them to know how I really feel for real. Let me, let me repeat that for y'all real quick. Let me repeat that for y'all real quick. Okay, okay, okay. Just it. out of curiosity, just out of curiosity, as I'm on this podcast, did any of you niggas read that book? Did any of y'all even open the cover of this? Did y'all even read the little notes that I that I left for y'all? If I met, see the thing is when you buy the book directly from me and I know you, I'ma sign it. And if 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 you buy it from me and I don't know you, I'ma still sign it. But like my friends, I like to leave little notes or little things like before they dive into, you know, learning me a little bit more and hopefully getting to like dive into themselves. Did y'all even open it? Have y'all read it? Did y'all did y'all even see the parts on the cover that that would have said something to you before you even get gotten inside it for real? Did you even get to the preface? Oh, I skipped it. Did you even get to the preface? Anybody? I keep asking for feedback and the crazy part is these niggas probably never even read the book. They probably never read the book. That's the crazy thing. I'm off of my soapbox now. Yes, we can continue. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is the best podcast episode to ever exist. I am literally in tears just because, like, I'm just on the same wavelength with you. Because in Obsidian specifically, it's like probably like one of the last ten pages of the book, but it's like a prompt to like write affirmations to yourself. And all, all of my close friends' books that bought it from me directly, I wrote an affirmation for them on that page. But it's like a hundred something pages into the book, so that's how I know when people don't read it because like, oh, you ain't even text me when you got to that part of the book. Oh, well, just know that I, I purchased Bloom this morning. I didn't forget. <laughs> oh no, I know. I, I'm sending you a book out. I'm very curious to see where you gonna write it. I'm excited. But it's so crazy because Kylo, I still have to get through the other ones. So I know I have to like, I'm going to keep Bloom for last. So I can, I need to, I want to read in order. Well, I want to read in the order you told me to read it in. So. Mm, I did get, see, this is, yeah, you, you get me. That's important. But yes, I saw that she purchased the book. Also, it's important to, to you non-writers and people that need to be reading. It's important that if you're reading like a book that, I know it's poetry and you can kind of jump around, but if you see there's a structure and the same way you don't go into a brand new album and you press shuffle. And just start at track seven. Okay, I'm not about to go put on to pick a butterfly and skip halfway through the album, okay? No, I'm gonna start from the beginning because it's, it's a story. People the starting at the interlude. The least you, why would you start the interlude? <laughs> Like the least you could, sorry, I'm so hyped, but the least you could do is read it in order the first time so you can get the full effect. 
okay? The same way that like, if we say that, oh, uh, this is X, Y, and Z, and this is how, this is what I'm kind of trying to get across, follow that, try to tap into it. Before you go about your own business and just open up the book, oh yeah, you know, I saw, oh, cave diving? Damn, that's real depressing. Oh, okay, well maybe if I skip ahead, I'll find something. No, 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 the book is about depression. The book is about depression, that, that's what it's about. So maybe you should understand the journey of the depression journey. I'm off my soapbox again. That's the greatest soapbox of all time because I'll never forget the first time I saw somebody, I gave them the book and they just cracked it open in the middle. I'm like, yo, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, do you open a novel and start the book halfway through the story? Be fucking for real, okay? You're not gonna open your textbook. Oh, I, well, I can't even say that because you already know academia is different. They'll assign chapters in different, different ways. So let me not. I'm not even gonna bring in academic books, but regular books, regular books. Y'all are not. Y'all are not jumping halfway through it, okay? This is not just. It's the, this is not called a book of sad poems where you can skip around and find it. It's called shadow work, which means I obviously did the work and I'm telling you the journey of the work. So follow said journey of the work. Then after you do that, I would, then I say, go back and, you know, hop around yeah. and connect with the pieces that, that really touched you. You know what I'm saying? But I just feel like when you get a poetry book, you get something like that. It's best to follow it how you got it you know what i'm saying especially if somebody's trying to convey something but if it's just a collection if it's just a collection of like like i have books that is like a books book of love poems i don't really care how i read that because it's just a collection even though there's still a little meaning to how the collection is put together but overall (laughs) this you can the the screen this is more than a collection kyler's books are more than collections, okay? So when friends and non-friends and family and folk that may be listening to this podcast or watching it, see in the future, please follow the book the first time, at least the first time, the same way you would follow a new album. Same way you would follow a new album. Because who's going to the movie theater an hour and a half into the movie? Like, oh, I want to start here. Make it make sense. Make it make sense. It don't. Okay. Uh, I love this soapbox. We 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 could be on the soapbox for another hour. So I gotta. <laughs> I, just I love the reading PSA. Um, second to last question. Upcoming poetry projects. I know we alluded to it. I know it's something that you're working on. Time is a social construct. At the end of the day, time is a social construct. But just in general sense, is there anything that you're working on that you want to share with the peoples? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Book two is in the works, so whatever. You know, Shorty's trying to, you know, trying to tap into other emotions. Um, the book is supposed to be a book of love. Um, I think one thing that I did struggle with as I've written was writing love poems, mm-hmm. um, but more so in the sense of like happy and like really like hopelessly romantic, like I want to fall in love type poems stuff. I have gotten very comfortable with sad love poems. Um, and I think that's kind of like the thing around like this book is, I don't know if I necessarily want it to be strictly like love poetry, like over romantic, but I, I think I want it to be more than that. But I do think I want it to like center like my journey of love because i think like shadow work 
because it is my journey with like depression, I think it also ties into my journey of self-love. And mm. so I feel like I kind of want to separate the two a little bit, but I do think um, self-love plays a lot in like things like romantic love, like, you know, um, so I had a goal of like wanting to put it out <laughs> by like Valentine's Day, but I didn't. Did I reach my poem number? I did like the cap that I wanted to get to. The problem is I feel like I need a hundred more than the hundred that I already mm. have. <laughs> because I want to, I want to really find pieces that I think are really speaking the way that I want them to speak. Um, and I think I also just need more experience <laughs> in life. I think I've had a lot of experience with feeling bliss in love, but I think I've had way more experience with feeling hurt and sadness in love. Mm. Um, and I think I don't want to put out something that I don't think is holistically speaking to me yet. Um, Play that. Yeah, and I don't think I've written all the poems that I think should go in it yet. So I definitely think it's going to be a thicker, oh, just dropped my nose ring. I think it's going to be a thicker book than um, Shadow <laughs> than Shadow Work, but um, it's a little ghost. Uh, I don't know if you saw it. It's a little, it's a little ghost. Mm. You can't see it. Anyways. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a thicker book than Shadow Work because it's definitely going to have more poems, but uh, definitely stay tuned for it. Let's see where we are in another year. Um, the The title I'm dwelling on is Due for Love, um, but it's I'm debating just because like I'm still debating on like the preface of that book and what I've written already. And um, <laughs> um, I'm going to be on Kyler's nerves at some point. As per usual, um, he's going to be Coach Kyler <laughs> at some point yet again, and um, you know, always running running my work by him. And yeah, I think um, once I once I really figure out the way that this book too is going, and I think I'm really comfortable with the pieces that are in there, and I think I get more of the pieces that I want to go in there. In there, we will have we will start talking about dates and covers and designs and all that good stuff. But right now we are just kicking, but it's coming. I, do, I have about 104, po 100, 104 poems right now. Yeah. Um, some that I think I'm just like, I'm kind of like pe half done pieces that I'm, you know, dwelling on expanding or not. But um, yeah, heartbreak is a bitch. <laughs> heartbreak is one of the best inspirations. But I, I think I want to experience love so genuine and real and sincere that I that it's bigger inspiration than than what pain feels like. Like Damn, the way I've written some beautiful, beautiful, heartbreaking poems, and I want to write something so fulfilling of love, just as beautiful. Mm. Because I mean, there's beauty and pain, but like I want to experience that mm, that cozy warm feeling that makes a love poem a love poem so yeah, yeah. I'm such a way with words like people <laughs> don't be knowing the people don't be knowing but just the beauty and the pain that you just described like I don't think there's a better way someone can describe what a love poem is like I I don't <laughs> hey man like you talked about like <laughs> all right don't don't die on a podcast <laughs> this podcast would have the like literally the hall of fame blooper reel 
Oh my gosh, if you make a bloopers reel, that'd be so funny. Just like how you describe it, because I mean, like you said, like you just purchased Full Bloom today. You're gonna read that, and you're yeah, that's right up the alley of what you're talking about. Because who there's some shit in Full Bloom that pe- people ain't even reading. Ooh, I can't wait to get there. That I I think I need to make it like a point because like one I know that like. I'm always like, oh, I need to, I need to read, read, read. And then I have like binge moments where like I read and then like I have binge moments where I don't read, but I just need to be consistent and just sit down and just plan it. Like I need to read like a book a week and mm. I like for at least like a month or so straight. I just need, I want to read at least one Kyler book a week, finish them so I can, cause I need to get to bloom. I don't recommend reading one Kyler book a week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not really reading anything else. So. Hey, get your read on. I'm, who am I to dictate how fast to read? Um, this has been a fantastic episode and my cup is so filled right now. I think the last thing that I want to leave the folks off on is just any general words of advice or shameless plugs that you have. I think that we gave out a lot of nuggets of wisdom. I don't know if people are taking notes or not, but I took a lot of mental notes. We, we, especially for the writers out there, like, I feel like we speak in like, I feel like we're speaking in code a lot of this episode and they really get it, get it. But the people who don't understand the code, they're getting a lot of nuggets of wisdom and I'm really looking forward to how this episode might inspire others and ourselves, I would say, like just having this space to talk. Like, I know I'm like wired up. I feel like after we hang up, I'm gonna write a poem and perform it tonight. I was just (laughs) thinking, oh my gosh, Kyler. So at least I would say for me, this, because you hit me, like, I didn't expect it. (laughs) I didn't expect it, but I think knowing that I've been trying to really tap into like my creativity lately, like one with like trying to record YouTube videos and not being super successful, <laughs> um, but also wanting to just be, I don't know if you heard my cat back there. I got two new cats, um, RIP Obsidian, Hello, Onyx and Phantom. They are talking either way, side note. Um, I've been hungry. Mm-hmm. I've been really hungry for putting, for writing. But I, I've been struggling to write lately. And I, I really think this podcast, this session, I, I mean, I know we have our check-ins like every month or other uh, month or so. And that's, that's you know, feeding for me. But I think this, really getting to focus on like the writing and talk about like our work and stuff like that and talk about my work. I, I don't think I have had the chance to do that um, at least. And, you know, not with people either. Um, it's re-sparked that zeal <laughs> it's re-sparked that um that you know like because even reflecting on my story of i didn't realize how much i really like you know how they say the ten thousand hours makes you an expert i didn't realize in time i've been putting in time yeah. and energy and effort and passion and my cerebral spinal fluid okay my blood sweat tears like there have been days where i have cried over the like because i i prefer writing like pen and paper and i can can't count can't count how many times i've written that and even written pieces of turning like tissue into 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 paper or you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying or being on a two-hour bus ride to work and school and community college while I'm struggling and all this stuff and it's raining and I'm sad and I'm overwhelmed and 
the rain just made me write a poem. Like, you know, I've really put in time and energy and lost sleep and yeah. hours. Like, even when I think of like my novels, I used to put in 16 hour sessions. I was losing sleep. I was I was writing at work. I worked a retail job or 30 hour, 40 hour weeks. I was I was writing on my phone. I was getting home and writing and I just it was it consumed me and I missed that hunger. And I think this podcast just refueled that for me. And I think I'm ready to like get back out there and pull out my phone and see what the hell I'm about to crash up as soon as we wrap this up. Man, I'm like I was thinking. I was like, I need to find me some open mic nights. I gotta get back in the game. I gotta, I gotta make a name for myself. I gotta be, I gotta be out here. And I'm, I'm not. I'm not out here. Honestly, if you're in San Diego, just know that San Diego is one of the best poetry scenes out there. One of the biggest poetry scenes yep. out there. If you are looking to get into slam poetry, if you are looking to, to just real, listen, Rudy Francisco. Okay. San Diego, okay. Listen, you wanna you wanna tap in with them. You wanna tap in and really start your poetry. I don't wanna say career, but you're like your po your 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 life as a poet. Your journey, yeah. Your journey. Tap in because if there's one thing that I miss, I I miss I miss Black X. I miss flexing. I look if y'all fly me out to be a you know what? You feel me? You know a uh, uh, uh what what was it? <laughs> what do we call them? Oh, it's been so long. Future. A feature. <laughs> you want to play out to be a feature? No, I, I, I miss, I miss the poetry scene so much that he just got me fired up. Wow, I really, I've really been grinding in this. I didn't even know. It's crazy. And the people need to know, and I think that's why I wanted to do this podcast, like the podcast in general, but also like specifically like the podcast with you, is because I feel like I know so many people, so many people that we went to school with. Uh, so many people where we saw those long nights that they was putting in just to get where they at today. And it's like, y'all niggas don't even know. You're like, they don't even, like me and Jovi used to be up till 2, 3 a.m. inside the, the the village game room when it was a game room. And we were there, and I mean, practicing, whether it was trying to get our movements in sync, whether it was syncing up, word, syncing up with the words, making sure our inflections were correct. Like, it's really training. It's really training. And we're really out there grinding and putting in that time. So, Yeah. My shameless plug, at least for like the San Diego area, get out there, go get involved. It's, it's so entertaining too. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Some people write fun poems. Some people write, you know, ain't shit cool like um or I'm um, the um, shit type poems. Like, it's so fun and it's so black. Black as hell. <laughs> and it's so black. <laughs> like, I love it. And don't get me wrong, not not everybody is black there, but I mean the energy is so it just feels so cultured for us that it just makes sense. So yeah, you can find me Instagram, Twitter, follow me on YouTube. I don't know. Like I, I have not been uploading, but you're welcome to. I've been thinking about uploading my poetry to YouTube, actually, like making like speaking it out loud, but I I don't really know how I want to perform them or like where I want to sit and set that up. So we'll see. It we'll takes see. so much thought because I've had the same thought too. It was like, dang, I could really like perform some shit and like be on YouTube. But you I'm like, nah, like, like I gotta have a setting. Right, but like you know, like those people that like that like make like uh, videos and like mm-hmm. poetry over, like it's like um like in the captions. Mm-hmm. I think like I'm like maybe I should do something like that. I just don't know how how like I would structure it or stuff like that. So. I think I need to find somebody creative and team up with them. Somebody that's good at videos. I was going to say that might be the next version of the Blue Poet Society and the Shades of Blue. YouTube channel. 
different pose feature. All right, we got too many nuggets on this episode, and I know we got days We're to just get dropping through. things, just dropping things for folks. And they don't even know, what? like, and it's like, that's the beauty of podcasts, because it's like, people are going to hear this when it gets uploaded. Some people are going to listen fully through and whatnot, but nobody knows what we just created here except us right now. And right. I'm really excited to share that with people, because like I was saying, like, that was the goal of this podcast was to just give space for people to be able to talk about these journeys because you can go on Twitter at any given time and learn about what all these celebrities are doing and whatnot. And I think that people, especially in this really interconnected world that we live in, people are so focused on what their journey is and we're not even looking at like the journeys that are in our inner circle. And so you mentioned that this fueled you. So it was really affirming to hear that because I think it just affirms the need for me to continue doing this but also i think i needed to have this conversation you're killing it if y'all don't know like nat nat nonsense that's the jam okay kyler what's your what's your basketball the hoop dream spot spot. kyler is on fire y'all like i'm big on i like thanks for giving me my flowers but like kyler is doing his thing please go listen to all of them honestly nat nonsense is probably like my favorite because I just I don't know him and Andre fantastic duo I'd be dying laughing I like listening to it like with work I don't feel so alone um I have I have ADHD and a short attention span so I'd be like turning it on and off but every time that I jump back in I'm like ah that's what's funny then I get distracted then I turn back in ah this was funny and they'd be dropping gems there too so yeah I appreciate that but yeah this this podcast episode really fueled me too like I said I'm ready for the open mic tonight I'm ready to write and that's what I hope for our listeners. I uh, hope that y'all feel fueled to do whatever your it is, like whether you need to go out there and paint something, uh, whether you need to create like a tea bag, if you need to do that yoga session, whatever your it is, I yeah. hope that you feel fueled to get out there and just remember all the hours you put in. Because like you said, that 10,000 hour thing, that's something that business leaders talk about, that's stuff that athletes talk about. Just think about how much time you actually put into what you're doing and Go make and you go make I your it happen. On this, like, had had you had not set this up, I probably would have never reflected on that. Honestly, like, I don't really think about. I try not to reflect on the past too much. It's kind of hurt. It hurts. <laughs> Says the poet. <laughs> right, it hurts. But um, yeah, I think you really shined a light. Helped me shine a light on myself. So, thank you, thank you. That that felt really good. Yeah, it's felt excellent. Can't wait for your mentor to hear this and all the people who support you. Uh, thank you for saying yes to being on, listeners. Thank y'all for listening in and tapping in. Uh, make sure y'all follow. You didn't even give your ad. You told them to follow you. I right? did. And my <laughs> ad is my first name, Tino Miwa, T-E-N-O-M-E-W-A-H. Please remember, do not call me it because you don't know me like that unless you're my friend, like Kyler. <laughs> um, please refer to me as Lynette. But yes, my ad is my first name. It's the same thing for Twitter, T-E-N-O-M-E-W-A-H. Um, yeah, I just I just be talking my shit and doing how I do when I do when I does it. Um, and you can also, you can also find me on YouTube at the same thing. Ain't nothing up yet though, but follow me anyways. Yeah, prepare for it because it's coming. That's what they do. I mean, they prepare for it. Okay. You know, I'm trying to become a little it girl or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Baby mommy. Baby big baby mommy on the you feel me? You feel me? I'm a full supporter. And listeners, make sure, of course, y'all follow Banquet Hall Pod on Instagram, Twitter, uh, follow the YouTube at Banquet Hall Pod, and we will catch y'all next episode. We will. Much gratitude. <laughs>